1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by Brazen Color Country. They sell livestock handling equipment and they're located in Kanab, Utah. You can check them out on Facebook or you can also go to the Brazen website, which is brazen, B-R-A-Z-Z-E-N dot com to see what they have to offer. Our other sponsor for this episode is Escalani Yurts. If you were ever in the southern Utah area and you are looking for a great place to stay, I would highly recommend checking them out. You can look them up on Facebook, Instagram, or their website is EscalaniYurts.com. If you or somebody that you know is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please feel free to send me an email to CowboyStoriesPodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciate all of the sponsors that I've had so far. It really helps keep this podcast going and um, helps us to be able to reach out to more people. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate Brazen Color Country and Escalani Yurts for sponsoring this podcast. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down and visit with Stan Gleave and his wife, Charlotte. They're from Kingston, Utah. And something that I thought was funny that he said was that he must have the same blood as a Border Collie dog because all he wanted to do his whole life was chase around cows and sheep. And I I enjoyed this episode and I've had a few people recommend him to me so I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. But with that being said, let's dive right in. Um. Thank you again for agreeing to do this. I
0: I appreciate it. That's fine.
1: I usually just like to have people start out by by introducing themselves and then giving just a little bit of history of the place that you run and kind of how you got started.
0: All right. Well, I'm Stanton Gleave. Stanton Jack Gleave. At full name. like I was telling you there before, I was raised there with my grandpa and grandma in the early years. On this kind of the central place, the old home place. Uh,
1: and where was that at?
0: Right here in Kingston, just okay. over to the north and east right over there. <clears throat> you go down the only road out of Kingston to the north and then go east across the river over to the place. Uh... Like I said, my, my mother died when I was two, and me and my dad moved back in with my grandpa and grandma, so uh, he they raised me till I was 10 or 11 years old, and my dad married Betty Kay Coates. <clears throat> I'd be Kim's mother, you know, living lived in Escalant. It was Kayla and Kim, Melanie and Monica, Tara, those five girls, and Orby and Jan, but quite a bunch of us. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I heard a lot of old stories there from my grandpa. You know, he was born in 1882, right here in Kingston Canyon. You know that big hill that's up here? They call it the Funnelite Hill. I don't know if you've noticed the great big hill that's so just on the side of that road up here. I'll
1: have to pay attention when yeah. we leave.
0: Well, when you see that big hill? If you just go just a little bit above it and look across the river, there's the old cabin where he was born. Anyway, right there, so... And then from there, he wound up up in Johns Valley. And I guess that's kind of why we like that Johns Valley County still have those sheep ranging on Mount Dutton and stuff, Mm -hmm. but... When they starved out of Johns Valley, you know, there was quite... You know, Winslow got to be quite a town up in there, and they raised a lot of dryland crops. But when they... uh, what it done, it quit raining, kind of like it's...
1: <laughs> kind of like now.
0: <laughs> like, like it done, Yeah, like it's done here lately. Anyway, and then, so, them people were, I guess, about to starve to death. The government moved them out of there to relocate them, you know. Grandpa was okay. He was running cattle and sheep but down the lower end of the valley, but there was no schools left up there, so... So then the family moved here to... down to Kingston, down to this... They call it the old Sabrisky place. The Sabriskys owned that place to start with. But anyway. That's how the Gleave family got in Kingston. They came out of Johns Valley.
1: Did anybody stay in Johns Valley or they moved everybody?
0: Everybody <clears throat> everybody but the Steed family stayed up there. Have you heard of the Steeds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they stayed you know, polygamous, I guess, but there's no schools or nothing left up there. Huh. You know, back in them, them days, transportation wasn't that good, so they left mainly on account of schools, you know, need a school. But he kept property up in there, my grandpa and stuff, so, but anyway, they wound up here in Kingston during, at that time. And anyway, and I was just raised here, I guess, I guess, in my case, I guess the I'd have to say I've got the same genes as a border collie dog. <laughs> if I heard a herd of sheep go by, I'd follow them. Or, <laughs> or a herd of cattle. I don't know when people are that way, you have no choice, but just, that's all I ever wanted to do was uh, just run cattle or sheep, I guess, or horses, be around them. But <clears throat> but he always there was always cattle or sheep sheep or something around the place, so just grew up in, doing that stuff. Uh, of course, uh, back then, them days, all you really needed to survive, they, they all had a little herd of milk cows and nobody had, I mean, they had a little herd of cows on the mountain or, or herd of sheep, but <clears throat> it was mostly just farming, you know. you. Like I told a lot of people, my grandpa and grandma, they didn't need to go to the store. They had everything right there on the farm they needed. The only thing they went to the store for was a sack of flour. Uh, That's cool. They had milk cows and raised a few pigs and and chickens. And the chickens run wild, or not wild, but run out all over here. Back in those days, them people wouldn't put up with people we put up with today. (laughs) (laughs) They took care of their animals, and anything that killed their animals, they eliminated them, you know. That's why there, you could run sheep all over here on the mountains. A big herd of deer come in this country. When I was a kid, there were so many deer, you wouldn't believe it. Because there was no predators to speak of. Uh, I didn't see a coyote till I was 18 years old. Wow. Uh, I know where it was. Me and Dad was trapping up in Johns Valley, and I told him there was somebody's dog. He said, good hell, boy, have you ever seen a coyote? <laughs> <laughs> but I hadn't. But back in the old days, they had them eliminated, and there were just deer, like I said, sage and pheasants all over these valleys, and chickens. Like I say, that ever you just turned chickens loose out here, and they'd run around, you had your own eggs, but nothing'd kill them. Well, I guess once in a while one'd get killed, but if it did, just soon eliminated the problem weasel or skunk or whatever. But mm-hmm. everybody was doing the same thing, and every kid back to twenty-two. And, they could take care of all kinds of predators. But um, but anyway, I don't know. I'm getting off track, I guess. I don't no, know what I'm telling you, <laughs> hey, uh, But anyway, that's what I done. I just stayed, <coughs> stayed in that business. The main reason I stayed around here, the biggest reason, is to hunt deer. I love to hunt deer. You know, like I told you, there was deer everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody ate. They ate deer here year round, I think. <laughs> Raised potatoes and ate deer. As I said, they just, but everybody did, and there were so many deer that you, you can't explain how many deer was here unless you'd seen them. She seen some deer, didn't she? Over, she, well, they'd winter like yeah. over in the winter time. They'd come down along these, like down here between Junction and Marysville, there'd be two or three thousand deer wintering out in that sagebrush, wow. you know, out. On that sagebrush flat, right? There yeah. were a
2: lot of deer. I, ro- I was very over to cedar, and there were a lot of deer then, big, big deer, horns mm-hmm. like you don't you don't even see, don't even come close to seeing them today, do you? No,
0: no. There's... Or
1: before, yeah. So yeah. almost like a herd of buffalo, like a herd of buffalo, almost like that size. Yeah, that'd just be a big
0: herds in the winter time, Gosh. you know. Yeah. But they'd just be deer, like you could you just stop anywhere and look at. 50 deer or four, you know, on both sides of the highway. <clears throat> that's another thing. Them deer still winter on sagebrush. That's all they need. That's the way of sheep, too. That's, they kind of like sheep for <laughs> the winter just a patch of sagebrush. All they need for them are rabbit brush. They eat about anything. Huh. Cows are a little harder to keep them alive in the winter. But, but those deer, that's what this country, they just thrive in it. If you, to keep the predators out of them. They like to say, oh, drought's done this to them or something else done something else. Good hell, they've been eat by cougars and coyotes. That's where they went. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's. Uh, I, uh, I like to hunt deer and I stayed around, but I worked for two or three outfits around. I worked for a seismograph crew around here and I worked for an oil rig. In fact I worked on an oil rig over in escalat. Oh really? Yeah. Flew down on that uh, smoky mountain. It wasn't Smoky Mountain over just the side of it. Took a wild plane ride or two there and <laughs> 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 I haven't cared to fly since then. me and old Ross Woolsey, do you know Ross? I've I heard of him. Uh-uh. I guess he'd been gone before your day, but we was in the back seat of the plane <clears throat> uh what they done, they built a rig right out on a point, and they built an airstrip to it, and went over bumps like this. You went down, and the plane and bob along, and then to stay down, go to the rig. Uh-huh. take it off, it'd come bouncing out. And fly. <laughs> <coughs> but the pilot that flew us in, there was a brand-new plane. They had six-passenger plane, but he left on vacation. The old guy that owned the outfit come to take us down there, and we was the first crew to go with him. <laughs> <coughs> Me and old Ross got in the back seat. He didn't want to haul well, we had some water, two uh, five gallon things of water we put in the back. He said, That was too heavy. The old man went and hauled out and said, Heck, we got to have water. So, <laughs> But anyway, we got in the plane now. The there's the pilot and the five, you know, six of us in the water. And we take off and we go up and start circling and we're flying around. And, you know, Ross looking up at the pilot about this direction. He finally turns to the old driller. He was at the side of him and said, I can't get the back of the plane to come up. Oh, no. He says, Every plane I ever flew, it's right here, and this ain't got it. It's a new plane. It's got You've heard of him reading instructions to fly. Well, he had the old driller looking in the jockey oh, box. No. See, and said, <laughs> we're back in the only time I, I was starting to get the bags out, hand them around, to start throwing up. We were all getting pretty sick. But he finally reading or got up on the dashboard and lifted his plane up, and then we flew down. Oh, But all the old driller said, "Good heck, man!" He said, "If you can't fly this thing, landed." He said, "We'll drive down." (laughs) He said, "We can't land it with the tail down." He said, "We got (laughs) to."
1: Oh my God!
0: We got to figure that out. So that went on for like thirty minutes. Seemed like two hours or three, but anyway. So that's an escalant story that happened to me there. But that rig went right out, and why they'd go right out on a point when there's thousands of feet off on both sides. That's where it was right out on Now you can see Page, Arizona, wasn't too far away. Oh, okay. Anyway, and, uh, uh, to get drive to it, you'd have to go over by Henryville and, you know, come out from there and come back out.
2: Oh, okay. Not
0: Henryville, Cannonville. Go down by Cannonville and come, come back out around to it. But
1: huh. it was,
0: a, like I say, they wanted to, get the plane right to the rig, they could land it on a little flatter spot. They'd go out there and bump <laughs> over these bumps. <laughs> uh. And it, it took about all the flying out of me anyway. But anyway, uh, but anyway, I worked on a seismograph crew and worked on that, worked for Kyabab up here for, must have worked for them for 10 or 12 years till I drove a, started setting chokers and then drove a skidder, skidded logs, then a cat building skid cat, and then I drove her old cat for them, building old for a while, and then I drove log truck for them. In the 80s, the Forest Service quit selling us any, wouldn't sell kaibab anymore, more lock, timber, so. All these sawmills went out of business, and now you see what happens. The only thing happens is they, they burn her up, don't do with fire, yeah. so. Same time, they cut a lot of this grazing down. Gosh, there used to be three times the animals run on these mountains. That there is nowadays, so they can—they <clears throat> don't need to blame anybody but the Forest Service for the fires they got. And instead of instead of reprimanding them or whatever they do, they give them all a bonus and send them fighting fires. <laughs> they do. <clears throat>
1: so did your did your dad and your grandpa and all of them? Did they have sheep and cows? Too? Like, did everybody around here just kind of have their own little bunch that ran together,
0: or... Yeah, they all just had their own little little bunch of cows, you know, or sheep. Uh, uh, well, my grandpa had quite a big sheep herd running up in Johns Valley. But, uh, let's see, where that sheep herd... Was when I was just a kid. My one uncle took over the sheep herd, Marthel I believe, and then he... Didn't take very good care of it, and my grandpa got tired of the sheep, her- so he sold the sheep herd when I was a kid. he kept a couple hundred head that he ran run around the place here, but the- he had like twelve or fifteen hundred head of sheep that he sold then. And then they'd left Johns Valley, and it was hard. <clears throat> People don't realize, but back in them days, the transportation wasn't that good. You know, you can't just jump in a truck with your horse and trailer, there wasn't no such a thing as, as yeah. a man.
1: <laughs> you couldn't just buzz up there really Didn't quick. take care <laughs> of
0: stuff, no. You had to had to have a camp up there and just haul supplies, you know. And the only way to haul a horse was a big truck, you know, like a two-ton truck. Those, I told those kids, them stock trailers are probably one of the biggest inventions that's come along in my day where you can load your horses behind a pickup and head out. There weren't no... Not even any four-wheel drive outfits to speak of. Jeeps, you know, little Jeeps. and mm-hmm. International made an old international pickup that was a four-wheel drive, but other than that, it was just mostly touring cars and big, you know, not big trucks, but two-ton trucks, you know, yeah. a lot bigger than pickups. But anyway, that's uh, then, like I say, then... Mostly, people just depended on, it, just lived on the farm. They raised a lot of potatoes here in Piute County when I was a kid. Uh, in like fact, Paiute County got famous for their potatoes. For this old building up here beside the highway it was the old Paiute County Potato Growers Association. Oh, cool. <laughs> they'd, they'd keep potatoes furnished for like big companies, you know, would buy them. Their number one potatoes had a picture of Bryce Canyon on the. Sack. <laughs> their number twos had an Indian chief on the on the sack on it, but they had their own brand, you know. You put your potatoes in that same in that sack, and they had to pass an inspection to. They had to be so good at potatoes to sell through the association. So.
1: Why did that kind of die down?
0: It kind of ended when they bring Navajo Indians up here to pick up potatoes for them. And in the fall of the year, they said that Paiute County had tripled in size between deer hunters and Indians. <laughs> <laughs> but they'd come up here by the hundreds. Those Indians camped all over here and pick up potatoes. And I don't know if you noticed, they've many around a lot of old potato pits. If you get to look and they yeah. fill them clear full of potatoes, all behind picking them up and lifting them on yeah. trucks. But then it got, here's some more government, and the Indians had to have a house to live in. They come said they couldn't come up, they come out of a hole gone off the reservation, but when they come up here, they had to furnish them a house with running water and all that, and so that, then they tried to go to these harvesters, but this country's way too rocky. You get more rocks in the sack than there was potatoes, you know, trying to, with these harvesters, so. That pretty well ended the potato growing. Oh. Big, you know, there's still a few guys that raised a few potatoes, but this is the right elevation here to raise good potatoes. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's what the big thing was. And, and they all run a little bunch of cows here, or something like that, you know. And so,
1: yeah.
0: uh, I guess.
1: growing up, you were more interested in the sheep or the cows and not the potatoes as much.
0: Yeah, Yeah, potatoes, a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of lifting on those things. Yeah, but uh, I guess I went up when I was, let's see, I'd have been about, just got out of high school, and I decided, I don't know why I got a, Herb Glee raised those polled Hereford cattle up there. Phil Allen and them still raised them and now they've sold, but that's where them come from. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, It was was Herb's startup, you know. And uh, I decided to tell Dad we ought to go get some of them. They'd be some good cattle and he said "Well, he he wouldn't go new, but if I wanted to go get some, if I could borrow the money go get them. (laughs) I went over to Old Two or three banks turned me down. I went over to old old K. Nielsen on that bank in Iron County there in Parowan. <clears throat> told him I wanted to buy twenty of them polled Hereford cows from her. He says, "What do you got for security?" And I told him, "Well, the only thing I got's one horse, one Palomino horse." <laughs> <laughs> he thought I'd over quite all I got, laughed, and he said, "That's <clears throat> that's the first time I ever loaned that much money on a Palomino horse." He said. <laughs> 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 anyway, he borrowed the money and bought them cows. And, I guess that got me started, and I just kept adding a few cows here and there.
1: How old were you when you did that?
0: uh, Oh, probably out of high school, probably 18, 19. Cool. Right there, so. uh, Run them on the place here and then bought, I don't know, bought that reservoir, some ground down here on the top of the reservoir and run there and then bought a cattle range out on the mountain and i don't know just a little bit here and there and just keep adding i don't know told somebody the first hundred heads the hard ones to get after (laughs) after you get that money you can kind of increase pretty fast if you want but anyway that's what i done just worked around different jobs
1: was your main goal with those jobs like to work to get enough money for more cows or what was the
0: that's about the way it ended up <laughs> <laughs> if I had any extra money it went there uh there ain't much money in cows until they're if you ever get a herd paid for they're not bad but when you're paying for a herd of cows it takes about the time you make your payment to the bank that's pretty well does it I mean you just run those cows for nothing to yeah. and it's been that way, oh you'll hit it a year or two that's pretty good, but you'll hit some that's awful bad too. <laughs> so I don't know, I borrowed quite a lot of money from the government, bought cows and I, I <clears throat> Dad told me I couldn't borrow money, he'd give up from people but I I don't know whether I just stayed bullheaded or what, but I'd just keep <laughs> talking until they'd loan me some money. <laughs> borrow got a lot of money from the government old burns black you know burns Mm-mm. i quite like burns he's out of animony, but he come along one day and he told me how to stay in the cattle business <clears throat> he said that he said when you sell those calves in the fall he said pay everybody but the government he said <laughs> <laughs> he said they can wait for their money he said They'll send you letters and threaten you and tell you what all they're going to do to you. And he said, they won't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> old Bert said, I'm living proof. He said, I, <clears throat> me and three other guys, he named them. I, oh, one was old Dean Crab and two or three other guys, nine them only. But anyway, <clears throat> he said they all went and got him alone, got married, got him alone from the government and all started up there, nine of only going to. Farm and raise cattle, and he said, "Them guys when they sell their calves, run pay the government." And he said, "I'm the only one that didn't. I done it the other way." And the moral of the story: he said I'm still here, ranching, and they're all gone. So. Oh. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know today, though. Maybe the government's rougher, but I doubt it. <laughs> Dad said they won't kill their slaves, and I think that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> they got oh. some idiot out raising beef for them. They ain't gonna. <laughs> they ain't gonna oh. run you off. <laughs>
1: that makes sense.
0: <laughs> but there was lots of times I can make payments to them. I, they, will they'll, they'll figure out some way to keep you going another year or two. The government will, or uh, I don't know. Uh, I think when I finally started getting ahead, maybe if I've got ahead, maybe I ain't got ahead, but at least I've got my bills paid. It, my old uncle Mathel, I believe he come along one day and he said, "said You know, you fellers work hard enough, but he said, if you want to get ahead, he said, start taking Sundays off and go to church and pay a little tithing. He said, you'll find out you'll, you'll it'll be a lot easier." And at the time, I never did. I just treated Sunday like any other day, and but I thought, gosh, it wouldn't be certainly wouldn't hurt to take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing that, and anyway, uh. All of a sudden, I could pay my bills, and uh, here it ain't rained for, what, two years, and it finally dawned on me, that COVID deal come out, and we got to quit going to church. You know, we well, I didn't want you to church, so we, and yeah. that gives you an excuse, we started treating Sunday like any other day, and I finally dawned on me what, what I think the trouble was. <laughs> I... Uh, I got out on the high council and <clears throat> had to give talks and around to, to the wards, you know, when I give two or three talks on keeping the Sabbath day holy and how if you didn't want to pray for rain, you done down there. <clears throat> and anyway, I told these boys here, I said, here about two months ago, I says, we're going to get back to quit working on that day. <laughs> well, do you, if we went about two or three more months without any rain, we were done, weren't we? I mean, we are in our situation.
1: I think everybody was feeling that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we were starting to look at selling a lot of, well, selling all of our livestock here. We did did, sell.
2: We called a lot of
1: cows. Sold quite a few,
0: yeah, but uh, anyway. Anyway, we are tickled to see this moisture.
1: Yeah, we went. I went and helped my brothers moved some cows on the mountain the other day and every pond we rode past was full like a storm had come in a couple nights before and just filled mm-hmm. all the ponds and it's enough to make you want to cry almost
0: <laughs> yeah it does but anyway that's, that's about my story i debts are deep with and lots of people said you'll never make it but i just Pulled over, just like you are saying, and asking me, work and put every bit of money you scrape up into a herd of cows. (laughs) Some people will do that. It's what people want to do. A lot of people wouldn't, you know. It looks like I was telling you before if you're born with that border collie dog you you want to herd cattle, I guess. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But we Um, also have four boys that wanted to stay in it, too, so. Yeah. If it hadn't been for them, we wouldn't still be here. Huh? If it wasn't for the boys wanting to still stay in it, we wouldn't have, We wouldn't be where we are now. No. Just gotten, they wanted to do it. That's all they wanted to do. and We've just gotten a little bigger and a little bigger. And
1: yeah.
0: So. Then back to them potato days, them Indians had come up there and they got known a lot of them, you know. And I know when they come up here, whenever they left, and we take them back, they loaded the truck with hay. They all needed hay. So then I got putting two and two together and I got a truck hauling cow, and decided, heck, why not haul some hay down to them, you know. So I got to hauling hay down, got quite a business selling hay down there to the to them Navajos. I knowed a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, that helped, you know. That gives you some money coming in you about got to earn and make your living somewhere else to start out in that cow business, <laughs> unless it's handed down to you or something. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Was anything handed handed down to you as far as like any of your grandpas, or did you just start strictly with those twenty those twenty head?
2: Yeah, we paid for everything you ever. I
0: I think we've pretty well just. I can't think of anything much handed down. Uh, our dad, when he died, left us at pl- his part of the place, you know. Mm-hmm. Just the old original place right there to me and Jan and Arby. And Jan's wanted out. I think he went over to Well, I know he went to Escalant and bought that. But I had to buy him out so he'd get money. And he, he's just like me. He turned around and put his money right back, <laughs> back in the to cows. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah but you did you bought that place from your dad down there before huh. he
0: died. Well, he we was in the process of buying it, I guess, but he still had some interest in it <clears throat> whatever that's that's i guess he turned to sad uh,
1: that's something that I think is really cool these days is to visit with families who have started with nothing but that's a goal that they had and so they figured out every way possible that they could make it happen and I talked to a guy uh, a couple months ago and he kind of did the same thing he said his wife started trying to save every other paycheck from their day jobs and eventually they build up to something where they could just being cows full-time, and I think that's something that both of you should be really proud of, because it's it's neat that you worked so hard for that.
0: Yeah, we we had nothing in her younger days. Uh, She worked up here at the grocery store. If she hadn't done, we'd probably starved. (laughs) Pretty well took your paycheck and food, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But anyway, last while we paid her bills, and that's the And if you can pay your bills, in the cattle business, if you can pay your bills, you're doing all right. That's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: What would you say the hardest part about being in the cattle business is?
0: The government, monkeying with them. You know, you shouldn't get me started on that line.
1: So it's not trying, it's not trying to pay your bills. It's not any of that. It's...
0: You could pay your okay. bills a lot easier if you didn't have to put up with a bunch of bureaucrats telling you what to do that know nothing. And the thing is, is, you know, these ranges was here, and our ancestors run on them before there was ever a Forest Service. Or You know, they only come along in 1936 for that. These rangers were bought and traded, you know, and... That's what a lot of people don't understand. They think we go rent that from the government. Good heck, we own it. You know, we buy that from an individual, that range right, and that goes with the property. That's why you, you couldn't run enough livestock out here for nothing without without you get on that so-called public land, which it ain't. It's, it's state land or federal land, whatever. The only public land in the states the parks, you know, that the public own. But that grazing right is what keeps that land open to people, you know. if Ranchers have the right to access that land. You, you I've learned all this. I didn't used to know it, but I've learned it the hard way, but you got the right to go up to any your ponds with a road, you know, or to any krail or anything like that. And that's what keeps that land open to the public. <clears throat> and another thing, if that right wasn't a valid right, old Hillary Clinton would have it all sold to China or something. She can't sell it because these ranchers you own we own the surface right on that. That's what we own. We own the grass and that. Yeah. We don't actually own, it's a split estate, you know, but we don't actually, we don't own the minerals or none of that, but we do own that grass. And the fish and game comes in and puts a herd of elk on it and just takes it like they got some right there, which they haven't got any right other than
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> the only thing the fish and game ever had or that was just a, a byproduct of ranching, you know, just like I said, ranchers, when they, Totally took care of this country. The fish and game had one heck of a herd of deer. Just nothing to do with them. The have created that herd of deer, but but now they're all educated. You know, they got figure they got coyotes that don't eat deer and only <laughs> eat the poor ones, and I don't know. It, 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 it's mad.
1: <laughs> I think that's something that I want other people listening to this podcast who aren't necessarily in the industry i just want them to be able to understand that that you pay you pay your dues it's not like you're just out in the open like running a herd of cows out there you have paid to be there to have the right to be
0: this is the actual fact right here we don't even need that forest service or blm ranchers but they come along with what they call a cooperative agreement back in the early days i think then it was even called a cooperative agreement or if we sign a paper with them, they agree to fix water lines and fence lines and put in springs. And they were pretty good people when this happened back in the fifties and sixties at the Forest Service, you know. And we were supposed to help herd to keep the cattle in one area, the cattle in another. And there was no more in a cooperative agreement. And somehow that gets turned around to they call, start calling it a permit, like they're permitting you to go out there and that. And the money that grazing fee, all that was ever to do was they collected the grazing fee and then they sent it back to the. It all comes back to the ranchers, except just a small amount to go back on the allotment. They might take it all, collect it, and put it on one allotment, and that, you know, so they do bigger projects with that. But that people get mixed up thinking that grazing fees renting that ground. That grazing fee, all it ever was, is a cooperative agreement. That just a little bit of money that they took took in. They're supposed to come back to to fix to keep things uh, like fences fixed and springs working and that kind of stuff. Anyway, ranchers being what they are, and they won't stick together on nothing, and they're all... The, <laughs> they'll uh, come in and listen to them sweet talk, I and mean, then all of a sudden it goes from a cooperative agreement till now they start thinking they're issuing you a permit. Permitting, they want to call you a permittee. <clears throat> That's the worst... I told him, don't call me no permittee, I'm a rancher. I'm permitting you to work for me, that's what it really is. This old country, if we're going to save it, people's got to start reading the old constitution and standing up for it. We're guaranteed the right to liberty, life, life, liberty, and even a pursuit of happiness. We're... An old man called me and said, if you don't remember anything else, I've been in a few arguments with them people. But... <laughs> He said, if you don't remember anything else, you remember this. He said, there's a king in this country. He said, Do you know who he is? I said, no, I, I don't know. I said, maybe the president or so." Oh, no, hell no. He said, the president's clear down the line. He said, you're the king. You, you yourself in this country is the king. You don't answer to anybody. He said, as long as you don't bother any trespass on some other per- person's property, Nobody can do, you know, your right to your freedom. This is the only country that's that way, you know, where you, we are free here. But we haven't been, these people have started, them environmentalists have took them Forest Service people over, the same bunch of people that stopped that logging and mining. They've infiltrated this Forest Service till they've tried to put all, put. they want us out of business. Why, I don't know. Well, what they are, they're mostly vegetarians. They don't figure they need any meat. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. What they actually are is they don't believe in God or what do you call them people? Uh, Atheists. Atheists, that's what they are. They're scared that this earth they're going to take care of. They think they're God. They're going to come out here and they're going to take care of this and they're going to take care of that. They told them boys the other day that we ought to call them and see if they couldn't send us a rainstorm if they're taking care of this country. (laughs) (laughs) They try to take the place of God in it, but this whole country was set up to be free, and it's the only country that's that way, you know, and it was set up by god-fearing men and If we don't stand up for it right here, she's just about to we're just about to lose it all when you get politicians as crooked as they've been <laughs> when you watch an election. <laughs> just get stolen right in front of them. They all think we're stupid. And we have politicians that stick up for them. I don't know. They spent four years trying to prove old Trump stole the election. Couldn't prove nothing. The Democrats. Then <laughs> they turn around now and this one gets stolen. If you mention it got stolen, they're going to throw you in jail, ain't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have got me started on them politics. <laughs> I'll get going there, but... No, it's, it's- it'd be a fun life if he didn't have them people around here, you know, and they ain't, really ain't got any business. <clears throat> you know, it's it, money. They don't want it to claim that they don't want to go take, stand up to nothing because the federal government might cut some of their funds off. These politicians, so, you know, and, that, and that's what you get into. So, so you get into having to put up with bureaucrats telling you what to do, which... That ain't the way this country is set up. We're supposed to be a free people here.
1: Yeah. And I think that some of them don't realize, like, they're not just getting meat from cows. They're not just getting meat from the sheep or these animals that we run. Like, there are so many other products that come because of it. And I I saw this poster the other day that said, there's no such thing as a vegan and then it listed all these products that come from cattle that you use like on a day-to-day basis that you wouldn't even realize otherwise. Yeah. And I I've been thinking about that and I was thinking how true that is. Like do I like I think it's important to educate people to know like all of the other byproducts not just meat that that we're providing yeah. for them off of land that you can't get anything else off of. Yeah,
0: yeah that land won't produce anything other than just what it does you know it's a good place to run sheep or cattle or wildlife deer not elk those <laughs> elk just getting a big bunch and they're all oh, they know how to eat grass and the knock down fences and water out all your mud your springs you know and they look just like a camel and they taste worse a camel <laughs> them deer are a good animal you know you
2: never tasted camel that huh? was my next question you never tasted camel <laughs>
0: No, but I i bet to not get eaten. I doubt it. Um, I don't pitch them to be very good eat. Um, them elk to eat one of them, you got to have a lot of that Warshire sauce and sprinkle yeah. a lot of that on one of them. <laughs> uh, oh, you could probably eat them if they'd let them hunt them when they're decent, but they wait just like the fish and game and go hunt them old bull elk right when a, a dog wouldn't eat them. You know. Yeah
1: that concludes part one of my interview with Stanton Gleave. Stay tuned for part two coming out in two weeks. Also, like always, if you know somebody who would like to be interviewed for this podcast, please feel free to nominate them by sending me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And also, to put a face behind the name of who we have been talking to, you can always check out our Instagram page, and that is at stories underscore podcast. If you like what you're listening and you would like to support us, feel free to go and rate our podcast online and give us a review. We'd sure appreciate it. Thanks.